We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. And D, I need a little bit of a group therapy session today. While watching the game last night against Sacramento, the Lakers lost 134 to 120. It was one of those points where, you know, I've been a sports fan, Laker fan, but a sports fan overall my whole life. And sometimes there are seasons that you get your ass kicked by injuries and it just is how it is. And injuries are part of sports, right? But it's three straight seasons now where we've had a lot of games where that particular night, regardless of what you think of the roster or, you know, the the big picture type of stuff, where that particular night, we didn't have enough guys and we're hardly the only team that's been in this position, right? There are a lot of teams around the NBA. Golden State is going through this right now. The Clippers have been in some form of this over the last three years with Kawhi's persistent injuries. And then he comes back and he starts playing well and, oh, the Clippers are winning. Yeah, they've got their guys, right? And so I can't remember another sport or another stretch where it's been three straight years. And so I just want to kind of commiserate with you about that a little bit um, and talk about the implications of that. We've had so many games, man, since the championship season where I remember in the 21 season, we had a stretch where Kuz was playing point guard for a decent amount because he was like our fifth string point guard. But we literally had all the other guys out and the fourth string guy was starting type thing. And that was like THT at 19 or whatever. Right. And so it just, it gets to a point where like whatever you thought your roster was going to be, whatever your plans were, it's like, yeah, you just don't have the guys that night. And so, yeah, man, it's, it's tough and it's been wearing on me. It's definitely not ideal. So I'm 100% with you. The part that is trickier for me is that I think the last two seasons um, or the two previous seasons, right? Not this season, but the two previous seasons. Mm -hmm. I thought those were much more of a product of like, damn it, our guys are just hurt. And no matter what would have happened with the rest of the roster, like those specific guys being out is problematic, right? And to a certain extent, that was true in like yesterday's game against the Kings. Like I feel like Russ and Austin are 
two of the team's top seven players like I'd say six players two of the top four players four yeah. or five players well, personally like yeah i'm just saying that it's just like depending on like how far you want to go with russ and the idea of like what his strengths are versus what his sure. weaknesses are and what you're bringing to the table and taking off right and and so i don't want to be i don't want to get in the weeds of that argument i'm just saying they're two so they're two of their key players not having those guys on top of not having AD, I thought that the Kings game was definitely a version of this. But this season, I also feel like it's very – and part of last season too, I feel like it's definitely a – like these are roster construction issues as well. Like, like it's, it's definitely a yep. matter of not having not just depth but the right kind of depth, right? And so like against the Kings, I was like laughing at myself because – I'm sitting here watching this Kings game and the Lakers are down 20 or whatever. And I'm looking at who has and has not played on mm-hmm. both sides. Right. And for the Lakers, pretty much everyone who was available played. The DNPs were AD and Russ and Austin. Right. Those are the guys who were unavailable. And on the Kings side, it was like it's Alex Len and it's Metu and it's Rashawn mm-hmm. Holmes. And I'm just like, oh, look at. All these, these six, guys would ten, be super six, helpful. Ten. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like they would be getting thirty ten. minutes tonight for the Lakers. Yeah, <laughs> right. Man. And so I was laughing at myself because of that specific thing. Right, like there is a like. So I was so dumb because I was having a bunch of um. I'm out of town, and so I don't have my regular setup. Not only for the pod, but for watching games as well. So. For a part of the game, I was streaming the game on my phone because I couldn't. I'm in a market where the game is on TV, but I'm not in a place where I could actually watch it on TV. Okay, just just as a behind the scenes sort of Darius sure. is struggling here in order to to get <laughs> the game on. What I've recap responsibilities, but I'm sitting here struggling, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, what is what is going on with this team? Where exactly is this going to go with this group and and how are they going to be able to bring it all together? Right. And they just didn't have it. And it was very similar to me, like not having it. So I'm like, oh, locked out of my iPad. I'm trying to like stream it on something else. I can't do it. I can't get it on my computer because it's like, oh, you're in a league pass market where the game is on. It's just like, like, shut up. (laughs) Yeah. Like, let me get this. And so there is a disconnect, I feel like, between like how injuries hit when they hit, who is who is and is not available. And basically, like, what is your roster composition in order to compensate for for some of that stuff? Right. And this season, I feel like the Lakers are particularly shallow at the forward position and it's just irksome. Right. And so like. In getting back to my point about like me struggling, I didn't keep up with the fact that Wenyon had picked up three fouls. And so I'm just like, why Wenyon only play three minutes? And I said this right. to, to you and yeah, Mike yeah. is just like, like, oh, he's got three fouls. Like he drew those two offensive fouls and then he got his third. And I was just like, oh, that's right. I totally like didn't put it together as I'm scrambling with my sad up here. But we make this joke a lot, but it's not a joke. Like Wenyon is important now. He's important regardless, but he's especially important now with AD out. And so I'm sitting there at the Kings DNPs and I'm like, any of these three dudes could have helped the Lakers tonight in their own way. Um, And instead they played a bunch of lineups where like they just didn't have the requisite size. They just didn't have the guys. And LeBron said that post game too, right? He was just like, you know, like 
AD's out. These other guys were out. We had guys step up, but like behind them, there was like no one else. Right. And and so yeah. we just didn't have enough this game. And so I'm with you, man. Like, I don't know. I'm hoping Russ can come back soon. I'm hoping mm-hmm. like I'm hoping both Russ and Austin can play on Friday. I'm somewhat frustrated by like the lack of clarity around what's going on with AD, but we know he's out. It's just like, mm-hmm. he, like I don't anticipate him playing anytime soon. So like that's less a concern, quote unquote, for me. Um, but where are you at? And to, like, I know that you're saying like, oh, I need a group therapy session. But it's just like the the idea is like, look, we can have our therapy session. We can talk here for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour and a half. You know how we can go. But mm-hmm. at some point, this team is going to be back on the court. And this is what they are. And so, like, how are you trying to navigate that idea of like what the team can be, what they are and who and who's available? Because it's a tricky thing each night. Yeah, it's one of those things where with AD out, it's an all hands on deck situation. And so I think that we can get through and we spoke to this, right? I think we can get through and and tread water over a few weeks stretch, but we need everybody else, right? It can't be Anthony Davis and Russ and Austin, right? It, it's got to be something where LeBron is available, Austin's available, Russ is available, and that we're not missing a whole lot elsewhere. Part of that, though, I think, so in terms of resolving that short term, you know, to some extent, it's up to the to the basketball gods um, in terms of injury, right? But on the other end of it, the in terms of the roster construction, right? We were talking this summer, hey, we got too many guards and then we signed Dennis Schroeder. It's the second year in a row where we don't have many forwards on the roster. It was the same like, you know, Trevor Ariza type of thing. Oh, well, Trevor Ariza's out. So THT is our four for a bit. Or Avery Bradley's starting at the four of this game that we try to start AD at the five type thing. And it's like, those guys don't play that position and they actually don't play anywhere close to that position. And when you're watching the Sacramento game, for example, last night, like the things that Dennis Schroeder and Patrick Beverly are asked to do against players that are six inches taller than them, for real, six inches, 25 pounds, 30 pounds heavier than them. And like they're fighting, they're trying and they win some of the battles. But in a game where we give up 134 points, a lot of that is because like Dennis or Pat or some other small player is trying to box out a player that's bigger than them or do something that requires size. Right. And so it's two things to me, D, in terms of like why. So in, in terms of why is it, th- is it this way? In 2021, we had the same issue as well in terms of missing guys, right? And this is before the rust trade and all of that. We were able to tread water a little bit better, but we were still, you know, not a very good team uh, when when those guys were out. But when you consolidate everybody, all of the salary in particular, into three players, and one of so it's the whole idea of the three star build to me, right? If you're going to have a three star build. One of our guys has not played more than 40 games in since the championship season in 2020. It's about to be 2023. And AD has played 38 games, I think 40 games, and then 25 games so far this season. Let's hope he crosses that 40-game threshold. But if you're going to have a three-star build, it means your foundation is very narrow in terms of the number of players that you have that are like, this is our core. And then the third guy isn't a star at this point, right? He gets star 
type of salary. And I think more highly of Russ than I think other people do. And I think that he contributes in certain ways that I think on a game like last night, for example, his rebounding would have been super helpful. Right. And so like this idea that, oh, Russ is this and that. Right. Like, but he's also not a star, right. He's not a 47, you're not giving $47 million of contribution. And so when one guy's out and then the other guy and Russ has been durable, I know he was out last night, but he's been He's, he's been out there, right? But the, the other guy, even when he is out there, isn't giving you that type of production. Like I'm looking at LeBron last night, who I thought was generally great. And it's like, who are the guys making more than a, the vet minimum around him? It's Lonnie and Kendrick Nunn, who's just been awful. And Pat Bev, who's been just a little bit better than awful. He's been better lately. But like, it's like, like LeBron said, you run out of guys at some point. And so to me, like if you're going to have a three-star build, like that. Very important that the, your stars are actually going to be available to play and that yeah. they're actually stars. Right. And so it's one of those things where it's like, it's bad luck combined with, I think a lot of bad decision-making and then an Im- imbalanced roster, right. Where you're saying we got all these guards, but you're looking at the other team saying, Hey, they got these six ten dudes that would be helpful on a night like this. Yeah. And I don't want to retrace ev- everything back to the rest trade, but when you do do a trade like that, you do need a lot more things to go right than the Lakers have had gone right. And mm-hmm. they have fallen below the threshold of the reasonable amount of things that can go wrong. Yeah. Right. And, and so like, and that's how you get to where the Lakers are now. Right. And and so decision-making is tricky because it's like free agency and trades and getting someone else to agree. Like these aren't the things that you control necessarily like but when you do actually get someone to agree to something and when you do get guys to sign or get another gm to trade something to you then those do need to be spot on when you've when you're living in a world in which you have this this sort of three three star build and i think this year has been better in a lot of those regards Mm -hmm. than the previous season and i thought that and in general, I think that pretty much every player that the team has signed this offseason, like has been a meaningful contributor, except for like uh, like a couple of guys. Yep. Right. Way better offseason than last offseason. Yes. But to speak to your point, you actually need all of those guys now. And in a game like last night, you needed Kendrick Nunn to play well. And he didn't like his stat line shows that he was a plus six or whatever. All of that was garbage time minutes. Like you need you need Damian Jones to play well and he didn't. Right. Like, I don't care what the stat sheet says, like I'm watching and I'm rewatching and I'm watching the tape and I'm going back and I'm looking at stuff and I'm just like, yeah. So some of this, like I can see positive glimpses, but there's not a lot of sustained just like baseline floor level of play where you can lean on that. Right. And I thought the Kings game was actually a perfect example of what happens when the guys who you've relied on, who have actually played well, like over con- fairly consistently, actually lose focus to a mm-hmm. certain extent. And lose and, some belief. And, yeah. Yeah. And like, don't look locked in. So like so if you look at Lonnie Walker's stat stat line last night, like, first of all, the starters played a bunch in the fourth quarter when they were down 20 points going into to the quarter so a lot of these stats like don't really line up with what the tenor and the tone of the game was right and so all five lakers starters scored in double figures and this is that and the other lebron was the only starter that i thought played a really good game after that i thought dennis was f- fine and good 
Mm-hmm. I thought TB was okay, and I thought everyone else was like, okay, well, thanks. Yeah. Like, you played a bunch of minutes. We, like, they needed that tonight. Lonnie was one of those guys where I thought defensively he was not dialed in enough and, and that he didn't play with the with the needed amount of verve in in that game. Like, he got downhill a few times, and he had some some nice baskets, but... Like the Lakers really needed that early season Lonnie like, oh, look at this dude competing defensively. And he was yeah. not that at at all. I had remarked like he looked like the dude that we saw on tape coming into yep. the preseason where we were skeptical. Like, oh, you say you're going to play defense like, well, what we see on tape says you're not going to. And that's what the Kings game looked like to me. It was just like, oh, you're back at San Antonio for one game because that's how the defensive effort looked. And so. When LeBron talks about like, we didn't have enough, like, I know he's not saying that I'm saying this right now. What, what they, they didn't have enough of was like enough being locked in. It wasn't just the amount of players that they had available and some of the roster deficiencies. You also need every single one of those guys who is available to be like laser focused because the margins are so thin and it's hard to expect that. Right. On a night to night basis across the NBA, his third game in four nights. Lonnie's one of the dudes who has been available. He has yep. been playing in pretty much every game. And there's a certain amount of mental fatigue that's going to kick in for players like like that as well. And so you want to show grace to some of these players. But then you're also like, ah, they really need this tonight. And when they don't get it and now they're five games under 500 again. And it's like like the whole. They're plugging too many holes. Like Mm -hmm. it's like the dam is breaking and they're just like, oh, putting their finger in here, putting their finger in there. And water's just sort of still coming. And that's the hard part of being in this part of the NBA season. And it's why I think that we've been looking at the trade market as as vigorously as we have, because there's this idea of, well, what this team could really use is some reinforcements. Like we know we're far enough into the season now where we know who can and cannot contribute to winning basketball because mm-hmm. we've seen when the team is winning and who is and is not playing. Yep. The coaches have told us what they think of the roster. They tell us every single night by who plays when everyone has been available. And mm-hmm. so there is a point in time where I think if you want this team to be better than what it is, it's going to need to change its composition a little bit. And that's not going to come from the inside. Like as much as I enjoyed your Max Christie discussion yesterday, <laughs> like he is going to be a help. No, he is going to be a helpful no, player, but, right. he's, but he's not going to be like deep role player. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to be the guy that, that pulls it out of the mud and you need good players to be a good basketball team. And when, uh, Uh, You fall below a certain threshold. You're just not that anymore. I mean, Golden State's getting rolled every night and they're the defending champions. You know, it's part of the game. Uh, So let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about that trade market. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So there are two schools of thought, I think, on this. Um, one, the one that we generally espouse, which is we need reinforcements. And I think that with AD's injury looking to be at least a month, right? They've they've kept it very indefinite. We haven't gotten any official word from the team on that. Um, that this is a stretch where like we're gonna stack up results, wins, losses, whatever. And the sooner that we can get somebody in that's a good player that can help, the more of those games will win. Very simple idea. Now, the other end of it is what is it worth it on the other side of that? Are you trading for a guy who can help a little bit now, but ultimately can't get you to where you want to go? My counter to that would be we're 30 plus games into the season and not a single team in the West has 20 wins. And there ain't a single team that I look at right now in the West that's like, oh man, that team's a monster. Like you're going to have to really play really well to beat them in a seven game series. I mean, you got to play really well to beat anybody, right? Once you get to the the second round or the conference championship, but you get what I'm saying, right? There's no juggernaut in the West that makes you think that, oh, it would be pointless to improve the team or to stay in the mix, right? Um, that said, with AD out an indefinite amount of time, and I think that how long he'll be out actually kind of gives some of the answer to what this question would be. But what, what do you say to that, D? That idea that it's like, well, we are down Anthony Davis. We're, we have the roster that we have. We are 13 and 18. That it's not worth it. It's not worth trading future picks as a result of that. I would argue, again, I, I still want to push get back against it that I can barely get out the hypothetical without arguing against it. But it's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy, too, when you have so many guards and not very many forwards at all. And it's like, oh, we're 13 and 18. It's like, because the roster is imbalanced, like we'd be 15 and 16 instead. Or, or you know what I'm saying? A game or two yeah. over 500 as a result of that. So anyway, but that that's it. I think that's a, a another train of thought. And I'm curious your thoughts on it. No, so I'll take that other argument one step further and basically say that when you find yourself in a hole that you've dug yourself, then if you want to get out of it, the first thing you do is stop digging. Mm-hmm. And so someone would, I think it's totally fair to basically say, oh, you want to trade two more future first round picks in order to get out of the hole that you dug? Congratulations. Like you just picked up another couple of shovels and said, we're yep. going to keep going. Right. Because it's a valid argument. The, I don't agree with it, but it's a valid one. Yeah. Because those you pay those taxes eventually. Right. And so mm-hmm. there will be a time in 2031 when we're still Laker fans. Right. And we're going to be like, oh, damn, like, look at this team. It would have been nice to have had a couple of first round picks that are coming up on their rookie extension time, potentially. Mm-hmm. Right now, 
there's but there's so much forecasting that goes into that that I don't necessarily get too much in the weeds about it's it's like mm-hmm. you don't enroll in co- like there's not a lot of people that do this there are people that that do but I didn't enroll in college and say oh well in 6 years I envision myself I'm doing every single thing today I'm waking up this morning to go to my Econ 101 class at 8 a.m. because in six years I envision myself being like getting a job as like a teacher at a school where right. It's just like, yeah, like that's not the way that a lot of people do things. There definitely are where it's just like, I'm going to medical school and I'm in engineering like right. But that's sure. not what this is. It's just like there are too many moving parts. Like I've lived enough life now to understand that anything can change on you in in a moment. And there needs to be a certain amount of adaptability to new circumstances. Right. Adaptability is a super important attribute to have, whether it's an individual or an organization, because you make plans and the God's laugh, you know? Yeah. And so my point is when I'm looking at when I'm looking at these ideas, it's like I want to turn that idea on on it on its head and float the same thing back at the next person where it's just like, oh, well, you're worried about the future, so so am I. Yeah. You're worried about the picks. I'm worried about building out multi-year teams. So every argument about like, oh, well, what are you going improving this season's team for? This season's team, they're going nowhere is a, is basically at the root of that argument, right? L- yes. Listen to Charles Barkley talk about the Lakers on TNT every once in a while, and he'll tell you, and, and he'll speak to one part of that argument about like the Lakers are no good, like what are we even doing? My point is, is that stop thinking about transactions that are happening this season as only impacting this season's team. Yes. Now you're doing that, not you, Pete, the royal you. You're doing that on the flip side where you're thinking about 2027 and 2029 and, oh, the future, the future, the future. Well, I'm worried about the future too. I'm worried about next season when Anthony when Anthony Davis and LeBron James are still under contract and I'm trying to build a team mm-hmm. that actually can play together for more than one season. One of the issues that I've had around team building, and I know that this is a challenge when you have a three-star build and you're playing from year to year so often, but that idea of rebuilding the roster every single season, that yep. you lose out on the idea of continuity and what you can and that you can build towards something by carrying over pieces, right? And so when I look at the trade market this season, I'm looking at guys who, well, can you be on my team next year? Yep. Because if I'm trading for a good player, I actually want you on my team next year. Oh, that's and essential. Maybe if we year- trade those first, if we trade even one of those first, the player that we sign, even if they're a free agent this season, it's got to be with the idea of like, no, we want to resign you. We want you to be on the team next year. Well, I would argue that some of the deals that the Lakers have made have mostly been about instant gratification and not that long-term look, right? And so mm-hmm. go back to the trade that like people were mocking the Lakers about just a few weeks ago in the Zubots for Muscala trade, right? Yep. And so Zoo was coming up to be a free agent. The Lakers were thinking, well, maybe we're not going to keep him or he might be too, too expensive. We need we really need shooting on this year's roster. And so they traded for shooting what they thought was going to be a shooting big man. Now, that didn't pan out, but that was a move for a thing that we need right now. In, and in exchange, they gave up something that could have been a choice that they were making about is this someone who can help us long term? Now, 
that was a misevaluation about how good Zubots could be in yep. terms of a long-term prospect. And like, made a few that's just a, that, that's just something that happens. Like it's a shame that that happened, but that's just something that happened. But this idea of turning uh, an asset into something that's only going to help you for one year, that's what makes you hesitant, I think. Or that's what can make a person hesitant about making a deal in the first place is like, well, I don't want to give all of this up just for, to what, to make the play in? It's just like, no, you're giving something up potentially to make the play in this year or better, but also mm-hmm. to be a fourth seed or a three seed or a two seed next season when you still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and this player is actually good and can help you. And it's, I want to change the mindset around team building that it's not just a year to year activity that there needs to be some, there does need to be some flexibility and some adaptability and things are fluid, but there also needs to be, Hey, these are the choices that we're making in order to be, to build a base up. And that's what I'm hoping for at when I talk about trades. It, it's like the types of players that I want. I want those to be two or three year players for for the Lakers. That's why personally, I don't care about future money. I don't necessarily care about the future picks either. What I'm talking because a capable, good NBA player that you can keep on on your roster for two to three years has value to other teams as well. And so maybe you determine, well, this guy's not necessarily a fit here anymore, but he'll be a fit on Team X and we can make a mutual exchange that helps both sides. And that's more big picture thinking than just I'm going to turn my roster over year after year after year after year, which is what the Lakers have basically done during the Mm -hmm. LeBron James era. Yeah, I mean, that's it's always been striving toward that three star build, which is why it's funny. The our championship in 2020 was almost an accident from a team building perspective in that the way that it was built was not our intent. Our intent was to sign Kawhi. Right. Yeah. And it didn't work out. And so plan B was the one that actually fit the talent that, that we have. And now I think that there's been as LeBron's gotten older, asking him to do the the ball handling, right? And the how much he can absorb of that is going to be less and less. And so it's been important to address that with the uh, to have ball handling on the team. I just think that we've, you know, the recipe called for a quarter cup of sugar and we dumped the whole bag in there. And, and so it's caused some other problems. But your point about like having good players on the team for multiple years, that was part of how we won that title too. Like KCP yes. had been on, like for putting aside all of the talent and, and like this player is better than that player. Like guys like KCP, Kuz, Alex, they had been there for a few years. JaVale, it was his second year with the team, right? Like there was some degree Rondo's of continuity. Too, it, yeah. It was Rondo's too. And we had lamented some of these guys still being on the roster. I remember I was just like, hey, like, I'm happy to I'd be happy if KCP left. Like, I was one of those dudes that was ready to get rid of some of these players. It's and but it's not about like the individual players so much as it is the overall turnover. Right. Like if you're going to move a guy or two, you move a guy or two. Right. Like every this is something Mike always advocates for is that if you win a championship, you need to have some sort of infusion of talent. We did this over the course of the 80s a few times with role players, but the general core of the team stayed the same from year to year and you you didn't have any we didn't and we you didn't have any times where we won a title and then one or two years later it's a completely different roster right like you were building off of and just making little adjustments here and there but i think because that title team did not fit that three star goal 
in the sky, right? It was like, okay, this is great, but we really want to get to our long-term vision of what we want this to be. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. We've won many championships with three stars, right? Going back to Magic Worthy and Kareem, Wilt uh, West and, you know, Gail Goodrich. And you know what I'm saying? And so I'm not against it. You have to do it well. You have to make the correct basketball evaluations within that. Your guys need to be healthy when you do that. But so the argument that I'm making is less like, oh, if it were if only we had KCP on the team or Kuz or any of these guys that have left, it's more that that's the severity of the change and turnover yeah. on the roster creates other problems that I think that we're seeing the results of today. Yeah. And so just to put a bow on this discussion about trades, because we talk about trades, trades a lot, it's to me, it's more about rebalancing the roster and finding ways to infuse talent that is going to best support an actual two-star build right Mm -hmm. rather than a three-star build which is much harder to support if you haven't if you already don't have the infrastructure in place like so one of the things we forget about going back in time about that three-star proposed build that you were talking about well like they were supposed to sign Kawhi. no the three-star build was actually supposed to be Paul George was mm. going to come with LeBron. Like they were chasing mm-hmm. Paul George in the same summer that LeBron was a free agent and they had carved out enough cap space in order to try to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then they could have had all of those young players as the trade assets in order to make a deal, to make a trade for the third star. That right. was the idea. And it was the, like, there's no way LeBron's going to come by himself. Right. That, that was I the, remember that vividly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you broke the story, Pete, when LeBron was going to come to uh, the Lakers. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, oh, it's been a man, crazy those life. are the days. Those are the days, Pete. Anyway, <laughs> but that was the original three star build that did not happen. Right. And so and then it was Kawhi and then it and then it was OK, well, and. I want to be fair, too, because the idea of what the team was trying to do in the transition out of the championship was continue to sort to support LeBron specifically, I think, Mm -hmm. and then AD some as well. Right. By getting a lead guard. And that's why they traded Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder. And I really liked that 2021 team. They were probably a more talented team than the 2020 team. But when Anthony Davis goes out, it just doesn't really matter that much anymore. And also the second half of that season, like they barely played together. People forget that LeBron was really hobbling. He'd been out for weeks with that high ankle sprain, came uh, back for a couple of da- games, hey, remember? Solomon Hill. Yes. Oh, Solomon man. Hill. Yes. And then yes, missed a yes. few more games and played like the last four games of the season. We entered the playoffs on like a six game winning streak. And it's like, OK, they haven't had any continuity this year, but like they got a ton of talent and they should be able to win this. And then it was looking good until AD goes down and then it, it all falls falls apart. Yeah. And then the rust trade. Right. And so. Yes. And this is where like. Whatever the Lakers do or don't do around Russ, whatever they do or don't do around Pat Bev and Kendrick Nunn, whatever they do or don't do around the first, uh, the 2027 first round pick and 2029 first round pick, those are hard decisions. And we talk about them on the podcast and in the text thread, I talk about them a lot as if they're easy decisions, but I know that they're not. I'm right. like, I've been around a, lo- a long enough time and been a fan a long enough time to know that these are complicated deals and, and you still have to get someone else to agree to it, right? That's exactly it is that it, and other people know the position that you're in too. And so they're going to lean on you. 
Yeah. And so I don't want to make it seem like, oh, let's just snap our fingers and then a deal is going going to get done. And why aren't you making the trade already? It's just like, OK, yeah. like I get it. And taking a step back, we should all understand the complexities of of thing, things like this. The position that I'm arguing for, though, isn't about what by do it already. It's more what are the variables that we're that are being considered that is leaning towards the that are the that are the data points that you're considering when you're going to make a trade. And yeah. I would say those variables and those data points need to be much more inclusive of the idea that being a cap space team and tearing the team down again next yeah. summer in order to be able to sign free agents and build a new that to me that is less that is a less viable position to me or less enviable position to me than seeking out talented players that you can hope can take advantage of like a LeBron James season in which he still looks like an excellent basketball player mm -hmm. and an AD season where depending on the injury, right? Like he was playing the, some of the best basketball of his career and looked like a top mm -hmm. five player in the, the NBA. And yep. I'd be looking to support the idea of those two players much more than I would be thinking about like, what can I get with $32 million in cap space next yeah. season? If I strip the roster all the way down to nothing again with only LeBron and AD and Max Christie on uh, the roster with a cap hold for Austin Reeves, because to me, building out the team that way, it's just like, all you're doing is asking the two stars again to say, all right, we are going to build out this entire world again around us within in a season. And they talk about Rome not being built in a day, but I think that in some ways the success of the championship season might have like patched over that idea too easily. Right. Like, mm -hmm. like, oh, well, you could just throw anyone around these guys and they're going to. But no, like that team was special. They were special. It's also like you can't. I, so. I my little pushback is I think that you could put a lot of different guys around these guys and win a title. And I know I know you probably agree with that, but like those guys need to play together. Like you get better at playing basketball by playing basketball together. It's a very simple idea, but that continuity that like whoever you pick amongst those role players, let them play together for a couple of years, because when it's a new new guy, new guy, new guy every single offseason, they're still like that's part of the reason why we went two and ten to start out. It's it's we we're playing guys that we now know are actually very harmful to what we want to do in in Jones and Nunn in particular to start out the season. And then it's guys figuring out, oh, you like the ball here, you do this, this is your tendency. When you have guys on the team for multiple seasons, you don't have to do that. You know that. I remember this is a I remember when I was when I was in, in high school, I used to have a crew that we'd go to Dominic Masari Park and we'd hold the court against guys that were more talented against us because we would play every weekend. Right. Like it was yeah. the same group of five and we knew each other. We knew each other's tendencies. And so we'd be able to run against teams. And, and like so there's a value to that on the professional level, on every level of basketball of like playing together is how you get better at playing basketball. And so like whomever those role players that you choose are, that was a special team, right? But like whatever, you can't have that turnover every year. Well, you definitely can't. And that's 
that's a thing that I just want to be accounted for and given more value than I think that it has been over the course of the time that teams have been built around LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis too. But LeBron was the first one here. And I would bet that he's had more turnover in his five seasons with the Lakers than he has in any other team that he played that organization that he's played, played with year for year. Right. Because literally the rosters have turned over by more than half every single season, more than half. Right. So it's not just like, oh, well, you get three or four new well, new guys, even the championship season, Pete, like that roster turned over by more than half. And it's just like we talk about the big name acquisitions, right? Like, oh, they signed Trez and they got Mark Gasol and they traded for Dennis Schroeder. Okay, like those are the big name guys. But it's just like they also lost other players that were key contributors like on that team. Like and it wasn't just like, okay, well, we only added those three guys. It's like, no, they West Matthews over six. Yeah, they changed over six guys. Six or seven guys were new guys. And on a roster where only 10 guys are going to play on any given night and there's only 15 spots in general, it's like getting seven new players a year. It's difficult if if three of those guys are supposed to be key rotation players. It's like it's it's too much to ask. I think. And and that's kind of where my biggest pushback is around the whole idea of trades or don't trade or how are you going to team build? It's more like let's let's actually find six or seven players that we actually like and want to continue to move forward with year after year, year after year, because I think that's how you win. We talked about the Showtime teams, but like even like the triangle teams under Phil Jackson, like a lot of those teams, they kept the same dudes year after year after year. That's I mean, you look at all the champions over the course of, the, of history, and you'll find very few that are teams that most of the players on the team have not played together in prior seasons, in multiple prior seasons. So it's just it's, it's part of the game. All right, thank you for the uh, the therapy session today, D. I hope it was cathartic on some level for every uh, for everyone listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, talk a little more. Hopefully, we'll have Russ and Austin back. We shall see. Uh, but until then, you've been listening oh, to Laker Film. Yeah. Wait. Sorry. So I just wanted to say, and I meant to bring this up to you before we started to record. So I'm not going to be on tomorrow's pod. This is for everyone. I'm saying this right now. So I'm not going to be on tomorrow's pod. So Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays to everyone. The main reason I'm not going to be on is because I'm going out of town. I'm going to see one of my good friends and we're burying his father tomorrow. And so I just want to say shout out to my boy, Chris. Shout out to my auntie, Deanna. Shout out to the entire Evangelistic clan, the entire Julian clan. We love you. We're with you. Rest in peace to my Uncle Card. And you were a true G. We love you. Amen. Thank you for that. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. 
a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you Not kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.